So if this is your first time, our vision here at Convergence is very simple. It's encountering Jesus and transforming cities with his power and love. And it starts by encountering him. And so this morning as I was praying, I was like, what do, what do we do this morning? I felt that we needed to take a break from our current series. And I wanted to deliver a very, can I just really be a pastor this morning? I love all of the gifts. I love teaching. In fact, I was debating. I was, I was talking with Emily. I was like, do I just teach? But then the more that we prayed about it, and just with the season that we are in right now, it felt like we needed to process together as a body. And that we needed to actually, like, we needed to pastor. So I'm going to do that this morning. And so I'm going to process, and we're just going to talk about what is the Lord doing right now? What is he stirring? What is he doing? We've been talking a lot about new wineskins, yes? And we've been talking about how when there's new wine, you have to have a new wineskin because the old wineskin cannot hold new wine. It bursts. And I don't know about you, but I'm after the new wineskin. I'm after the new wine, and that's why... If you've been with us and you've been coming, if you came Friday, if you came Wednesday, if you've been with us, like we've kind of been in this moment with the Lord where we've been just getting in and saying, we're all in for whatever you have, God. I'm all in. But I want us to describe and kind of talk about what does that actually mean? What does that look like, right? And so... A few things that I just want to say is what he is pouring out is a fresh reliance upon him. It's us relying on him. It's him reframing church to make it all about him. We said this in January. We said one of the calls of this body. So if you're a part of this house and as a guest, welcome, we are called to shake up religion. We don't want any part of religious gatherings. I want no part of just coming in, doing the religious show, leaving, and coming home and not actually being changed, not actually being transformed, not experiencing true freedom, not seeing the Lord in a way that I've never seen him before. And so we're in this season of fresh reliance upon him. And I just believe that there's this end-time remnant that's being raised that says things need to look different. Different isn't bad, right? Change can be hard. We're not always like, oh, change isn't always easy. I think the Lord is rocking the boat right now. I think he's rocking religious scripts, things that maybe we've done for years, and the Lord's like, I don't really know that I want to do it that way anymore. Did you know that the Lord moves how he wants to move, not how you want him to move? But God, I want you in this pretty nice little box all the time. I don't know, if you read the book of Acts, it's not a pretty nice little box all the time. We don't get to choose what that looks like. God does. And thank God, because that means he gets to blow my mind. It means he gets to do something well beyond I could ask, think, or imagine. Because my finite understanding, I want more. I want to understand more about him. 
Yes? And so listen, I want to say just a few things. As we step into this new wineskin, the goal isn't more meetings. I love more meetings, and I think that's part of the new wineskin. And we, we probably will do some more meetings. Not because we're doing more meetings to do more meetings. Not because I love the carpet in this room and everything. It, it's great. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying the goal isn't more meetings. The goal isn't hype. The goal isn't striving. The goal is him. You can do so many things for God and not actually be with God. So I believe that the Lord is pouring out a fresh blueprint. But listen, my desire as as the senior pastor and our desire as a staff is centered on one thing. To never get in the way of what he's doing. I will never get in the way. And if I do get in the way, please say, Andrew, you're getting in the way. This isn't about me. It's not, about a, it's not even about a team. It's not about a worship team. It's about what the Lord is wanting to do. That's why I love the fact that we have a team that leads. Nikki's word this morning was very powerful. The minute she shared it, I could feel it hit the room. And if you're in, this, in the room this morning and you've been dealing with trauma, I felt like the Lord said that he's healing trauma this morning. There's trauma that the Lord's healing. And so anyway, Wednesday night, we're here, and somebody comes up to me at the end, and he gives me a word, and he says, I feel like the Lord is giving this house a key for the region. I think what the Lord is doing is, is he's giving us a key, and he's saying, I want you to run, and I want you to use the key that I'm giving you and watch what I do. I love this word from Nate Nate Johnston. I'm going to say it again. He says, my eyes were drawn to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I sense that these cities have been called to be a hub of revival, a convergence place for many different streams and expressions to converge and unite. We have seen some measure of that now, but it's time for unity. I heard the Lord say, I'm looking for dwelling places that would simply host my presence. If you want to know what my desire is, it's that convergence is a dwelling place that simply hosts his presence. And we're going to be a hub of that to see it released. Come on, who's in for transforming cities? We're going to see that happen as we host his presence. So I think the Lord is redefining church, and I think one of the new wineskins is a willingness to do things differently. I think another new wineskin that he's releasing is that it's not about a person, it's about community. I also think that he's asking us, are we willing to lay down the traditional paradigms of the church that we have had? How church looks, how long church is, what does it look like? What do we need to do? What agendas do we need to have? What things do we make sure have to be in church? What if he's breaking traditional paradigms and he's asking us to shake up religion and just cry out for more of him because we're hosting his presence? And 
another thing that I just am super, like, we had somebody message me on, after Wednesday, and they were like, something that I love that I saw on Wednesday night was the kids. Come on, the generations. There were wor- kids worshiping on Wednesday night, and y- you look around, and there's flags waving in the back. There's dancers dancing. There's kids kneeling at the front. And I look over, and I'm like, oh, God is touching them. Because we as a church are about the generations encountering Jesus together. What if that's another paradigm that he's shifting? He's saying, let's just have it all together. It's all the generations working together. It's all of us encountering Jesus together. It's all of us being discipled into family together. But I think there's a few things that I also really felt the Lord wanting us to really be mindful of in this season. Okay. Because it can be easy when, when there's things happening and there's meetings happening and there's a lot of acceleration and a lot of momentum, there can be some things that I just want us to be mindful of. And the first one is not striving. I want us to be careful when we enter into striving and not abiding. Because there's a big difference. It's a huge difference. And even last week, I talked about ascending the hill of the Lord, right? We talked about Exodus 19, and we talked about going up the mountain, and we're after the fear of the Lord. But as I talk about going up the mountain, I want to frame something for us. What I'm not talking about is, I'm just trying to get God. If your version of going up up the mountain ends up with you attempting to reach for God more, you've got a wrong perspective. And that's why we need to take a moment and we need to make sure we're all on the same page. Striving happens when you rely on your own strength or self to get you somewhere. And how often have I done that even in the kingdom? Right? Right? Psalm 46.10, we all know it, we can probably all quote it, stop striving, that's pretty clear, and know that I am God. Other translations say the word cease, cease striving and know that I am God. Galatians 1.10 says, for am I now seeking the favor of people or of God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. So this verse is talking a lot about people pleasing, and I'm, I'm a recovering people pleaser. <laughs> Anybody else recovering with me? Okay. Just making sure I'm in the right place today. I'm a recovering people pleaser, and this verse talks about people pleasing. But what about striving to please God? It's easy sometimes to strive to please people, but did you know that you can strive to please the Lord? And did you know that you don't have to strive to please him? It can be easy sometimes to feel like we need to strive to please God instead of resting in the fact that he is already so happy and in love with you. 
oh, come on, this is knocking religion in the face right now. You don't walk into this room this morning and strive to please God. Like, oh, maybe if I get everything together on a Sunday morning and I come and I actually go to church, maybe then I'll please God. God is so enthralled with you. He loves you. He cares deeply about your life to the degree that you don't need to do anything else this morning to attempt to please him. He loves you. I love what Graham Cook says, and he says it over and over and over and over again. He loves you because 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 he loves you. And I could go on for the next hour, and we still wouldn't get there because there's no height, there's no depth, there's no width to the love of Christ for you. So we're not ascending a mountain like, oh, if we could just please the Lord. No. He's pleased with you. He loves you. Yeah, but, 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 but what about what I did? Nope. He's pleased with you and he loves you. But, 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 but what about that thing I did last week? No. He's pleased with you and he loves you. Wipe away works mentality. Wipe away striving and come from abiding. We are not spending our days attempting to reach for a God way up in heaven and just hoping, just hoping that somehow we can get his attention enough for him to move. It, that's works. That's religion. I want you to hear what religion says because religion can creep in when you don't realize it. Listen to this. Religion says, let's all get in a room and hope God comes. Uh-oh. Let's all get together and just hope God comes. That's religion. We don't have to all get in a room and hope that God will come. Why? Because he's here. Hmm. Man, I don't have enough time to. Religion also says Sunday is the only day for church. Uh-oh. Religion says God only loves you as long as you do more for him. Did you do enough today to get more of God? That's what religion says. It's a works mentality. Listen to this. Religion says he doesn't love you if you aren't doing everything perfectly right. Religion likes things nice and neat. It likes things nice and put together. It likes things that you in your own understanding can define. Religion says as long as I can stay in my comfort zone, then church is for me. Oh, that one hit. Uh-oh. As long as I can stay comfortable in my chair, I'm okay with church. God doesn't just want you comfortable. He wants you. And he wants to move in you and through you. 
And let me just tell you something. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a little hint about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not care about comfort zones. He doesn't. He moves in and through us. And we don't get to pick how he moves. We get to surrender to it. Religion says you earn God. Religion says church should be more about people instead of the Holy Spirit. Anytime you see something that's more geared towards man than God, that's religion. Anything. It could be a false version of the gospel. It could, anything that's more man-focused is not really God. It's religion. The other thing that a religious gathering does is gather around one person with an anointing and then the reason that God moves is because of that person. Spoiler alert. I believe that reason right there is why some revivals have ended. I think we get in gatherings, someone that's very anointed for God, and listen, I'm all about it. That's amazing. But listen, this is not about one man's anointing. And if you come into a room and you're after that person's anointing more than you're after the Lord, that's religion. That's religion. Revivals end not because we want them to end, but because we make it more about a person. We make it more about, about what that person carries more than we make it about the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Even the word Christianity, I think, sometimes becomes a Christianese word that means simply those that associate with Jesus. I don't know about you, I don't just want to associate with Jesus. I don't just want to be mentioned as, oh yeah, Andrew's one who associates with him. I want my life to look like him. I don't want to just wave a Jesus flag, I want to die daily so that he gets more of me. You can build huge ministries and profitable organizations around associating with Jesus. But when the end comes, Matthew 24 is a very sobering passage and it says, right, it's, it's talking about the love of many will grow cold. Why? Because we can't just associate with a Jesus that we like, that sounds good, that sounds culturally relevant, that sounds like something that we want to be a part of. We associate, we surrender, we die daily, we pick up our cross and we follow him, and we're after being more like Jesus, not being more like a Jesus that sounds good. When the end comes, the testing, persecution, and the pressing of culture will force everyone to decide if they are just associating or following. And you, you can't do both. It's the wheat and the tares. You can't do both. You can't associate 
and also follow because there, there will be times when associating is easy and following is very hard. But following, while more costly, is the only one that provides the reward. And it's the only thing that bears fruit that remains. Is this hitting this morning? Okay. <laughs> so listen, let's go back to striving. Yes, but let's talk about... <laughs> let's go back to not striving. So listen, we are expectant for more of him, and, that we, are, and we are confident that when we gather, he is here. Okay? So I want you to see what relationship and intimacy says. Because relationship and intimacy say two very different things than striving. So striving says, attempt to climb the mountain to get God. Relationship and intimacy says, I have God. Okay. Yes, the Holy Spirit is where? Inside of you. Thank you. You are a resting place of the Lord. Did you know that? He's within you. So relationship and intimacy says, through the Holy Spirit... I have access. Therefore, I don't need to figure out how to get him to come. I need to recognize that he is here. It's not trying to get somewhere. It's recognizing that he's here. So now it's, Lord, what do you want to do today? What more do you want to do today? It's not, oh, man, let's all get in a meeting on a Wednesday night, and let's hope that after an hour and a half of worship, God comes. No, 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 no. Heaven is here. God is here. He's within us. And so we're crying out for more, not striving for more, but through relationship and intimacy, we're saying, God, what if there's more that I've never encountered? What if there's facets of you that I've never seen? What if there's gifts and things that you want to give me that I've never had before? And so when we say more of God, we're saying we want to see him in a way we've never seen him before. And my heart cries out for that. That we would see him in a way that we've never seen him before. But what we're not saying is, oh, let's just figure out how to get more. No, no, no. We're not going to strive. We're going to abide and allow him to continue to work in and through us. But I'm not going to make it about me. I'm going to make it about him. As new covenant believers, we don't have to strive to find a wooden box with God in it. Old covenant, right? New covenant. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we aren't trying to chase a wooden box around. Okay, let's follow the box. No, no, no. I am a temple. You are a temple. So when we meet together, this is why I love the resting place of the Lord. Because when we come together, I am an individual resting place of the Lord. Oh, can you imagine what David would say if he was alive today? David's deepest cry was to build a house for the Lord. 
And Solomon was the one who got to do it. But listen, can you imagine if David knew, oh, David, did you know that one day that house of the Lord would actually reside inside of his people? David's mind would be emoji. Right? It's like that head blown emoji, you know, the brain like, wow. His brain would be, he would be like, what? You mean that the living God that I was like, I want to build a house for, actually wanted, his deepest desire was actually to make his house the people of God? Yes. And that's the reality. The Psalms 132 cry of David's heart actually is manifest in the new covenant through the coming of the Holy Spirit. Striving says this, I have to figure out how to get there. Already notice what's wrong with it. You have to figure that out. Good luck. What if God doesn't want you to have to figure that out? Abiding says the Holy Spirit is leading this and is leading us. Therefore, I'm going up the mountain because I'm following his lead. There's a very, very big difference between me ascending the hill of the Lord by myself and my own strength, looking for something that I don't totally know what I'm looking for, and then following the Holy Spirit's lead up the mountain. I'm not going to try to go up the mountain by myself. I'm going to go up the mountain because the Holy Spirit is leading me there. And he's saying there's an aspect of God in this season. There's a new wineskin. There's the fear of the Lord. There's something that I want to teach Convergence Church. And I want them to come united all in following me up the mountain but not doing it on their own. Acts 9.31, this was a passage that we started the year with because it's part of our Build Boldly vision. It says, so the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was being built up. And it says it continued on in the fear of the Lord, which we talked about last week, but in, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it increased. I want you to see something. The church in Acts didn't increase because of religion or striving. But because of the comfort of the Holy Spirit. The fact that we have intimacy and relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, it means my strength to go up the mountain comes from the Holy Spirit, not me. Catch that. Catch that verse. It kept increasing. The verse doesn't say, so the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace and it kept increasing. That would have been a good verse. It's missing the key component though. Why did it increase? And I want you to see that it doesn't say it increased because of Peter. It increased because of John's strong teaching. It increased because the disciples did more. It increased before... Wait, it doesn't say any of that. Why? Because the focus isn't on people. It's on the Holy Spirit. 
it increased in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort. Now, the comfort of the Holy Spirit immediately speaks to me of being in like a nice comfy chair. I'm ascending the hill in a nice comfortable place because I'm in the comfort of the Holy Spirit not striving. So what I want to do this morning is I want to encourage us as a body from a pastoral perspective we are not going to strive to figure out what's going on. And let me tell you, as a leader, that's one of the most difficult things to do. If you've ever, like, owned your own business, like, whatever that, like, even just decisions in your family, how easy, how easy is it to give up control? <laughs> it's not easy. Because there's so many times when we're like, but I like this wineskin, but let's figure out how to stick that in that wineskin. And the Lord's like, I don't want you in control because let's be honest, if you're in control, you're going to mess it up. So I want to encourage us to throw striving out, okay? We come in on Sundays if we do another Wednesday, if we do a Friday, men's meeting, microchurch, youth group, doesn't matter what it is, you're coming in out of a place, and we're checking striving at the door. It's over 50 pounds anyway. It can't go on the airplane. It is over 50 pounds. Think about it. Think how much of a weight striving is. So we're going to check that baggage. We're going to walk in, and we're going to embrace what God is doing through us as a house and as a people by relying on the strength of the Holy Spirit. Because I don't know about you this morning, like I don't have a whole lot of strength. Like I'm up here and I'm like, Lord, honestly the fact that I'm doing as well as I am, the Lord is giving me strength. Thank God I don't have to do things in my own strength. Because if I had to do something in my own strength, I'm not going to make it. But I get to rely on the power, the strength, and who the Holy Spirit is. Oh, and catch this. Did you know that his desire is so strong to get you up that mountain? Did you know that his desire to get you up the mountain is bigger than your desire to go up that mountain? That's why when we talk about not operating in our own zeal, but the zeal of the Lord, we're saying that because his zeal is way bigger than your zeal. Thank God that I don't have to figure out how to have enough zeal to get up the mountain. I get pushed by the Holy Spirit's zeal, by his strength, by his leading, by his love, by his power, and by his authority. I go up the mountain with the Holy Spirit leading, not striving. Does this make sense? Okay. I want to do, I want to say just a few more things. I know we're, <laughs> uh, our meetings are getting longer. And it's okay, right? We're embracing the new wine skin, okay? Um, if you need to go get your kids, that's fine. But I do want to mention one more key in this season that I feel is really important.
And I'm going to mention it pretty quickly, and it's this. Don't control what the Lord's doing. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. One way to quench the Holy Spirit is for you to, be, you to try to control it. We are stewarding, not controlling. Huge difference. It's a huge difference in parenting. It's a huge difference in marriage. It's a huge difference in every aspect of your life. If you can get the picture of I'm stewarding this, I'm not controlling it. The Holy Spirit will not be controlled. He isn't going to come only when and how we want. And sometimes the biggest way that we control the Holy Spirit is we regulate him to the way in which we think he wants to move. And, and I want to say this for another reason because I think it's important. Many of us in this room, we've been a part of past moves of the Spirit, yes? So there's past history. And one of the things I, I also want to caution us in is this mindset. Well, this is how the Holy Spirit has moved before, so let's do it this way. Did you know that Jesus, why, why is it, I, I, I've often asked this question, like why is it that Jesus spit and got mud and put it on the guy's eye, like couldn't he have just said, be healed? Because Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. And the Father in that moment actually wanted to heal in a way that Jesus didn't normally even heal. Why? Because he's leading following the Father. We're following the Holy Spirit. That means I'm not going to pray the same prayer every time when I'm praying for somebody. What if the Holy Spirit's like, I want to do it a different way? I remember one time I learned this lesson. We were at this event that we were doing here, and we, we, we did this workshop down at the other building, and I was praying for this woman. She was up to receive prayer for healing, and I'm just like, you know, I'm going after it, and ah, I'm giving it all I got. And after like 10 minutes, I'm like, hey, how you feeling? She's like, not any better. I'm like, okay. Clearly something's not working, right? I stepped back. Holy Spirit, what are you doing? Instantly, I want her to pray. I was like, wait, what? You know that I'm the one doing ministry here, right? I'm the, right? In that moment, the Lord wanted to show that girl her own authority. And by actually operating in an old wineskin of me attempting to do ministry the way I thought ministry should happen, I was actually quenching what the Holy Spirit desired to do in that moment. Oh. And I stepped back and I said, you know what? I just I feel like you're supposed to pray. Instantly, she gets healed. Why? Because I took myself out of the equation. 
because I took my own agenda, my own, okay, the Holy Spirit's always moved this way, you know? Every time, you know, blah, blah, blah. I've seen him do this. I've seen him do that. I've seen him do this. What if he wants to do it different? What if he wants to do something different? Step back and allow him to move. And if that means mud on the eyes, it's mud on the eyes. Jesus didn't care. And you know what? When the guy got healed, he didn't care either. When that girl got healed, she didn't care that I asked her to pray. We're the ones who care. Because we've formed a box around how we think the Holy Spirit is supposed to move. And he wants to knock it over. In this season, I want us to be very careful about writing a script. This is a good script. What we're not going to do, though, is write a script so formally that we're like, here's the formula. X plus Z equals that. No, we're going to get a blueprint and a new wineskin for what the Lord is doing, and then we're going to go as he leads. But I do not want to just be script. We're just reading something, or we're just doing things the same way because we've seen it in past history. The Lord doesn't... I love studying past revivals. Please hear me. But is it possible that sometimes we study past revivals to the extent that we actually think the, the new revival needs to look like the old one? And so then we step into a season where God's moving and we bring all this other revival stuff with us and we think, well, let's have it just look like Brownsville or Azusa Street or all these different things. And what if the Lord's like, no, that's good history, but I'm wanting to do something new. I'm birthing a new revival. <laughs> all right, don't worry. Landing the plane. The last key, and I'm just going to take three minutes to do this. So, Sean, you can go ahead and come. Thank you. The last key that I just want to very quickly say is one of the biggest keys to stewarding a move of God. So we've talked about not striving. We've talked about not controlling. But the third thing I want to talk about is this. And I'm just going to do it very, very, very quickly. But it's a very strong key in this house is, is revival cannot remain a corporate thing. When the Lord moves in a mighty way, it must become personal. If it does not become personal, it becomes all about coming into a gathering and not about carrying it. I have no desire for it to just be about, oh yeah, come to 5745 James Avenue and, and something will happen and then yay, just come again and just come again. I would love for you to keep coming, please do. But listen, also make it personal. Grab that corporate encounter and make it a personal encounter. Because the only way that revival hits Fort Worth is if we have personal encounters. Does that make sense? If you don't take an encounter and apply it to your life, then the encounter will be something that never lasts. I've been in so many amazing meetings where God has shown up, and it's been this wild thing. I remember being plastered to the back of this building one time because the presence of the Lord was so powerful. And in that moment, 
I remember, wow, this is amazing. And then the next day, it's like, whoa, what happened? And the Lord very clearly, what I feel he's speaking is, is we cannot just have corporate encounters. We need to have personal encounters. We need to... In, we need to spark and fan the flame of personal intimacy in our lives. When the Lord begins to do something new, it becomes even more important that we are spending time with Him personally. Intimacy. Like we steward what God is doing through personal intimacy with the Lord. There is nothing in your life that can replace intimacy with the Lord. There's not gifts, there's not wonders, there's not encounters. Nothing will replace personal intimacy with our God. A people that just say, oh, I love what he's doing on Sundays. I love what he's doing on Wednesday nights. I love what he's doing when we come. But oh, I love what he does in my car at 4 a.m. Oh, I love my carpool with my kids. Oh, I love walking to Walmart because I get to encounter the God who loves me every moment of my life and I make it personal. Because you can do things for the Lord without actually being with Him. No one can be intimate with God for you. We can have amazing meetings and not a single person in this room can help you be intimate with the Lord. That is your relationship and your history with Him. We can help facilitate an encounter, but we cannot be intimate with God for you. Intimacy is between you and the Lord. Can we stand? I'm just going to pray. John 15, Jesus says these very important words. He says, remain in me. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Intimacy isn't a religious thing. We, we can't make it a work. It's not about how you do it. It's about just setting aside time to be with him. And I want to encourage us in this. Don't fill time with the Lord with other things. Podcast, YouTube, I love all that stuff. But if that becomes your encounter with the Lord, I think we're not really spending time with Him. They can help facilitate, but it has to be Lord. Oh God, that you would that you would show me another side of you this morning. And so listen, let's just, as a house, let's just pray into this and let's just say, we will not strive for what the Lord is doing. We're not gonna strive. We're not gonna control him. We're not going to allow past hurts, past history, past things to define what God wants to do now. 
And then we're not just going to make this about good meetings and corporate meetings. We're going to make it personal. We're going to spend that time with the Lord and we're going to say, God, we actually are all in because you're fanning the flame within our hearts for deeper personal encounters. So Lord, this morning we come as a body. And Lord, this morning I... I felt that there was this reframing where it's like we're reframing ourselves centered around you. We're not striving to go up the mountain. We're looking at you and we're saying, Lord, we just want to see you a way that we've never seen you before. We want to experience you in a way we've never experienced you before. So we leave striving and we abide in what you and who you are within us through the Holy Spirit. Jesus, would you, would you keep us so locked on your gaze, Lord? Would you keep us so locked on you, God, that striving has no room? And we just say that we will not control the move. We will not control it God we want to just allow you to move however you want to move we love you Jesus we love you Jesus Lord I ask for every person in the room I ask you Lord that as we spend time with you, as they spend time with you, Lord, that there would be such a depth of your presence that would fill them. We just, we say we are in for deeper encounters with you, Lord, the living God. Oh, Jesus. We just... When we say we just want more, we're not striving. We're resting in the fact that you desire to pour out more as we just look at you. Listen, the answer is just looking at him. It's just abiding. It's focusing on him. So Jesus, we do that this morning as a body and as a church. We love you. Just, just tell him you love him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We need you right now more than we've ever needed you.
Let's just end and sing this. From you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Sing it again. You're worthy. You are worthy of it all. And you are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things you deserve. You deserve the glory. Let's sing that again. You are worthy. Just really lift that. So worthy. You worthy of it all. For from you are all things. You deserve the glory. I can invite our ministry teams to the front. If you need prayer for any reason this morning, I want to encourage you to come up. <laughs> we love you. We're so glad that you're here today. The Lord is doing something. We're just going to follow Him. Yes? We're just going to follow him. So we'll update everybody on if we're going to do something else, what that looks like. But we're, we're just after him. We're not after doing more. We're after him. Okay? All right, we love you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, please come to the front.